The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 118 Let God Answer with Fire After three and a half years, without a single drop of water, the land of Israel was parched. All the creek beds, springs and wells were drying up. People were thin and pale because they didn't have enough food and water. Israel was in a terrible state amid this curse from God. Finally, the time came for the drought to end. The prophet Elijah was told by God to go before the king of Israel. However, after running from King Ahab for three years, he wasn't sure what kind of reception he would receive. Still, Elijah obeyed God and journeyed down toward Samaria the capital city of the Ten Tribes. The effects of this horrific drought reached all the way up to the royal house of Israel. One day, out of fear that all his livestock would die from thirst if he didn't find water immediately, Ahab sent two search parties throughout the land to find the remaining sources of water. The fact that King Ahab led one of these groups himself shows just how poor the kingdom of Israel had become. The other party was led by his chief steward, Obadiah. Heading in the opposite direction from Ahab's party, Obadiah took a group toward the north. When, on his way to Samaria, he stumbled upon the prophet Elijah. Instantly recognizing who it was, Obadiah fell on his face and asked for confirmation. Are you my lord Elijah? I am. Elijah quickly responded, Go and tell your master, King Ahab, that I will wait here to see him. Obadiah was shocked to find Elijah. For the past three years, Ahab had spared no expense searching throughout Israel and even among the surrounding nations for him without success. Now, Obadiah had found him while he wasn't even looking. He was overcome with fear that Elijah might disappear once again while he was going back to get King Ahab. If Obadiah returned with Ahab and Elijah was gone, he knew it would mean his death, especially if Ahab found out that he had helped hide some of God's prophets from him. Do not fear the prophet told Obadiah. I am on a special mission from God. 
and he has commanded me to seek King Ahab. I will stay here as I've told you. Obadiah jumped back on his donkey and quickly went back to find Ahab. Given that Ahab was traveling in the opposite direction, it took a number of days for them to meet up. This gave Elijah plenty of time to think and pray to God about his coming meeting with the king. Elijah knew that King Ahab wanted him dead, so he prayed to God to give him strength and boldness in the face of the king. A few days later, Obadiah, accompanied by King Ahab and the royal entourage, returned to where he had left Elijah. For the whole journey, as Ahab thought about all the problems he had, his anger grew toward the prophet of God. Arriving at the scene, King Ahab wasted no time with pleasantries and introductions. He angrily accused Elijah. Are you the one who has caused all the trouble in Israel? Elijah was undaunted by the king's confrontational attitude. Full of faith and power of God, Elijah shot back. Ahab, I am not the reason for the trouble in Israel. It is you and the rulers in your family before you who have forsaken God's commandments and led the people in following the pagan god Balaam. Now listen to me, Ahab. Go and gather all the people of Israel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Jezebel, your wife, and assemble them upon Mount Carmel. There we will continue our conversation. Ahab was startled by the bold command of God's prophet. The king was hardly used to being talked to so sternly and with such a bizarre request. However, he was discerning enough to realize that if the country was to survive, God would have to remove the curse on the weather. Therefore, Ahab heeded the command of Elijah and sent messengers throughout Israel, telling the people to assemble themselves at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is part of a mountain range that touches the Mediterranean Sea on the northwest of Israel and continues from there southeastward 18 miles. Its large hills are covered with small shrubs and overlook the massive Jezreel Valley, a large flat plain of extremely fertile land. It had been known throughout history as a gathering place for great battles. At dawn, a few days later, Elijah approached Mount Carmel on his donkey. As he got closer, he could hear the hum of thousands of people gathered in the valley below the hills. 
all the people of Israel had turned out to witness the appearance of God's prophet after three years of absence. Elijah climbed up on the lower hills to get a good view of the people assembling in front of him. He boldly proclaimed, O children of Israel, how long will you hop like burrs from one branch to another, not knowing on which to settle? If the Eternal be God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. The people of Israel liked to think that they were following the true God, but they worshipped the idols of the nations around them. They wondered why God would not bless them with rain. The prophet Elijah told them that God was not happy with their double-mindedness. They wanted to follow the ways of the world and also to have God's blessings. Look around you. There are 450 of Baal's prophets assembled before you, and I only remain a prophet of the Eternal. To prove which God is the true God, I propose a test. Earlier, God had revealed to Elijah that he wanted to show the people in an obvious way that he alone was the true God. Let Baal's prophets choose one bullock for themselves and one bullock for me. Let them cut up their bullock and lay it upon an altar of wood that they shall make. But make sure that they don't light it on fire. I will then prepare the other bullock and place it on an altar that I will make. Then let the prophets of Baal call upon the name of their God to consume their bullock with fire. I will call upon the name of the Eternal my God, the God who answers with fire from heaven and consumes the bullock. Let him be God. The people and the prophets of Baal merrily agreed to the showdown. The priests of Baal went first to set up their altar high on the hill to have a clear view of the morning sun. Their chief priests slaughtered the bullock as an offering to their gods and placed it on the altar. Immediately, the 450 priests started to cry out to Baal to bring fire to consume the offering. Wide-eyed, the people waited with anticipation, but nothing happened. As time progressed, the priests of Baal became red in face. They begged and pleaded with Baal. They shouted louder and louder in an unusual display. Some began singing and wailing, throwing their hands up toward heaven in desperation. Some even jumped up onto the altar in a weird dance to try and get some attention from Baal. Hours passed and still nothing. Soon it was midday and the people were getting bored. 
Elijah couldn't help but mock the priests of Baal and their crazy antics. Why don't you shout louder? He taunted them. Baal must be extremely busy. He might be talking to another god and can't hear you, or maybe he is off on a distant journey and is too far away. Maybe he is going to the bathroom or perhaps just sleeping after a busy day and needs to be awoken. Call louder. Surely then he will answer you. Hearing Elijah's ridicule only made the prophets of Baal more intense. They cried louder and louder in desperation. Hear us, Baal! Answer us, Baal! Some of them even started to slash and cut themselves with daggers and knives till they were bloody from head to toe. For some reason, they thought that hurting themselves would get their god's attention. This ghastly show was a nasty practice of the pagan worshippers of Baal. They continued for hours more, though slowly weakening because of their sustained wounds. The sun was starting to get lower on the horizon, and still Baal had not answered. Their offering still lay upon the altar, starting to smell after a full day in the sun. Elijah had seen enough of this self-mutilating pagan display. It was time to put a stop to the madness. With a loud voice, he announced to Israel, Come up near to me, Israel, and see whose God is the true God. Thousands of people drew closer to Elijah as he proceeded to repair an ancient altar located on the mountain. He gathered 12 stones, one stone representing each of the tribes of Israel, and placed them on the altar. Around the outside of the altar, he dug a large trench. Next, Elijah placed the wood on top of the altar. He then killed and cut the bullock into pieces and placed it onto the altar. All of this was done in silence as Israel watched cautiously. Next, Elijah did something highly unusual. He commanded four strong men to fill up four large barrels of water to the brim. Now empty your barrels onto the altar, Elijah instructed. What a waste of precious water, the parched people thought. Still, the men obeyed, and Elijah directed them to repeat the process again, and then again. A total of 12 barrels of water were dumped on top of the sacrifice, completely saturating all the wood and even filling up the trench around the altar. Elijah did this to ensure that no one thought he was cheating. At the time, there was an ancient practice of people hiding a fire under the sacrifice and then claiming it was a miracle later. Elijah wanted to put it completely beyond doubt, so he doused the whole altar with water. Finally, with the altar ready, Elijah called once more 
Come closer to me, Israel, and hear a prayer to the true God. He fell on his knees and prayed. O eternal God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, listen to our prayer and answer. Let it be known today that you and none other is the eternal God, and that I am your true servant. Hear me, O eternal, hear me, that this people before you may know that you are God, and cause them to know that looking to anyone but you is foolishness. Elijah didn't yell uncontrollably. He didn't wail or moan. He didn't dance around on top of the altar. And he most definitely did not cut himself to force God into answering. Instead, Elijah approached God boldly, yet humbly, in a short prayer, asking God to show the people who was the true God. As soon as Elijah finished his prayer and started to stand, one of the Israelites, pointing toward the north, shouted, Everyone, look up! Immediately, the heads of the tribes of Israel jerked upwards toward the heavens. A massive fireball was streaking across the evening sky, heading directly for them. Quickly, the people jumped back from the altar. Just as they had taken a few steps, the fireball exploded onto the altar. Turning around, the people raised their hands to shield their faces from the searing heat of the flames, now consuming the offering Elijah had set up. The fire was so intense that it instantly burnt the wood and the offering and destroyed the stones below it. All the water in the trench was licked up by the flames. On cue, all the Israelites fell on their knees in view of Elijah, with their faces to the dust, and repeated together, The Eternal, He is God! The Eternal, He is God! Because of this dramatic display of power, in light of the brief, faith-filled prayer of Elijah, the people of Israel recognized how foolish they had been to follow after idols made with wood and stone instead of the God of power. Elijah, standing above the kneeling people, saw a scurry of people fleeing from the large crowd of people. Quickly realizing they were the priests of Baal trying to escape, Elijah ordered the people to chase and capture them. The Israelites overtook them by the creek at the bottom of the mountain. Following God's command in Deuteronomy 13, Elijah commanded that all 450 of them be put to death for taking the people away from the true God. King Ahab of Israel witnessed this whole ordeal. Looking back, to the now humbled king, Elijah said, See, King Ahab, I was not the one troubling Israel. It was you and the pagan prophets you allowed to instruct God's people. 
Look how powerfully God has acted to show you He is God. Now you must learn the lesson of who the God of Israel really is. But don't fear. Get yourself together and go eat. God is about to send rain upon this land. Extremely relieved, Ahab returned joyfully into his tent. The drought was about to be over. With that, Elijah and his servant left King Ahab and the people in the foothills and climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. There, the prophet dropped to his knees once more to pray and put his face down toward the earth so he couldn't see anything. From his knees, Elijah commanded his servant, Go up further and look west over the vast Mediterranean Sea, and let me know what you see. At once, Elijah's servant obeyed and looked toward the sea. Upon seeing nothing, he returned back to Elijah. I can't see anything on the horizon except for the setting sun, he told Elijah. Elijah told him to go again to see, while he continued to pray. Again, the servant returned without any good news. They repeated this over and over, and on the eighth visit, there was a glimmer of hope. On the very edge of the horizon, Elijah's servant could see a small cloud starting to come up emblazoned in orange and red hues. It grew bigger and bigger, stretching out toward Mount Carmel. Sighting the first prospect of rain in three and a half years, the servant hurried back to Elijah. I see it! I see it! He yelled excitedly. A cloud is billowing toward us! Elijah lifted up his face from the dirt and rose to his feet. With a large smile on his face, he looked toward the west and saw the brooding cloud. They both cheered at God's powerful impending deliverance from the drought. As they stood there, the cool wind of the oncoming storm whipped up the mountain and upon their faces. They realized this storm would be here much sooner than they thought. Quickly go, my servant, back to King Ahab at the base of the mountain, and tell him that he had better hop on his chariot and ride fast to Jezreel because a big storm is coming. Otherwise, his wheels will get stuck in the mud, and he won't be able to go anywhere. Yes, sir, the servant responded. But how will you get back? Don't worry about me. I'll get back there before you know it. With that, the prophet Elijah started to run down the hill toward the east. Following him, far up in the darkened evening sky, was a monstrous black cloud, flashing with lightning, heavy with water, and ready to quench the thirst of the land. be continued in our next episode. 
and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the Resources tab at pcg.church.